Well, you guys can be seated. Good morning. Um, my name is Mark, and I am the, the pastor here at our Syracuse campus. Excited to welcome you all here this morning. We've been going through uh, the book of Jonah, and it's been a, a really good study. Hopefully you guys are plugged into a small group because we've really encouraged you all to get plugged into a small group just for this five-week series um, because we know that you're going to get a lot more out of discussing this rather than just listening to a quick 20, 30-minute sermon. Um, if you can go back with, with you know, some fellow believers and really dig into this stuff and study it, you're going get to get a lot more out of it. So if you're not plugged into a small group, I'd encourage you to do that. Go to our, our webpage, alpinechurch.org slash Syracuse. We've got a, a bunch of different small groups that you can choose from, and I would encourage you to do that, get plugged in. I mean, even if, even if you didn't, weren't there for the start of the series, go ahead and get plugged in right now. Um, you can start right away. Uh, it's a really good way, not only just to dig a little bit deeper into the sermon topics and the things we go over, but that connection that we really need, you know, at church. It, that's something that's built at small groups. It's hard on a Sunday morning, especially when we meet here in a building that we're setting up and tearing down. Um, small groups are really, really important. So if you haven't done that, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, so like I said, we've been going through the book of Jonah. This is week three. Um, and this is really kind of a, it's a unique book because it focuses more on the telling of, of a story rather than, you know, a collection of different prophecies, which is what we see a lot of the, the prophetic books are like. There, there are a lot of different prophecies and things that they're prophesying. But really, this one's a little bit different because it tells this story about Jonah. There's, o there's only one prophecy in the entire book, and that prophecy is given to Jonah to, and it's about the coming destruction of the people of Nineveh, okay? And Nineveh, as we've learned, uh, it, it was one of the capitals of the Assyrian Empire, and they were really kind of the enemies of Israel. And, and Jonah's, he really kind of represents the attitude of most of Israel at that time towards not just Nineveh, but a lot of the other nations, um, that really looking at them more as enemies rather than people that they are supposed to be leading to God. They're supposed to be helping the other nations come to know the one true God. Okay? But instead, like I said, they tend to view them as enemies. And, um, and that's really, Jonah's kind of representing that attitude that Israel struggles with throughout the entire Bible. We see it throughout the Bible. But I think we mentioned this in either last week or the, or the first week. This isn't the first time we heard about Jonah in the Bible Okay, we actually, there, there's, uh, back in 2 Kings, we learned that Jonah, he actually was called to prophesy another time. He was actually called to go and prophesy that King Jeroboam II was going to reclaim, he was going to recover a bunch of Israel's lost territories. So he got to go and deliver this, this good news, right? And, and it doesn't say anything about him running away uh, from that. You know, he, he seemed to jump right in, I'm sure. Uh, but really... Let's think about, though, though, now he's called to do something difficult, right? He's called to go and, and tell Nineveh that they're going to be destroyed. And not only does he, is he going to go tell them that, he's going to be, that they're going to be destroyed, a hard thing to go tell people, um, but these are his enemies, too. He wants nothing to do with them. That's how he views them. And I just, you know, a lot of times we, we read this story and, and we kind of judge Jonah a little bit, but how many of us are really like Jonah I think a lot more of us than we want to admit. You know, how many times when we get a task or a calling or something that we're supposed to do, 
that we don't want to do, how many of us really just jump right into that? Not, not very often, right? It's usually we tend to avoid it, we'll run away from it, uh, because that's, that's something that we don't want to do. And, and so we're all a lot like Jonah. You know, I, I think about something difficult maybe that we would run away from or avoid. Maybe somebody has hurt you in your life, like really hurt you deeply. And what, is, what does God call us to do? We're called to forgive, aren't we? We're called to forgive. How many of us jump right on that and just forgive them right away? I know I don't. That's a hard thing for me. So, so a lot of us, we just, you know, sometimes, like I said, we, we read the story of Jonah and, we, and we're pretty judgmental and we forget to focus on, on ourselves and how many times we run away from what God's called us to do. So in the first two chapters, uh, we read about Jonah refusing God's calling and instead he takes a boat in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh, right? And one of the most important takeaways from that first chapter that we wanted, wanted you to notice is that... Um, when we rebel against God, when we run away from him, when we uh, are sinning, a lot of times it's not just us that, that ends up dealing with the consequences of it. It's, it's other people. Other people end up dealing with those consequences. There's almost always collateral damage that happens that comes about. Uh, think about, and I'm sorry you got young kids in here, but think about the, the, the concept of pornography, Okay. A lot of times the world, the enemy, wants to trick us into thinking that pornography is something that we can keep hidden, that it's not going to affect us, or that it's not going to affect anybody else. But it does. It affects us, and it ends up affecting our relationships in more ways than, than we seem to realize. And so, like I said, when we, when we uh, are rebelling against God, we are not the only ones who suffer the consequences. Other people do. And so, in this story, we saw how Jonah's um, his poor decision affected the, the sailors on the boat, right? We read that, that a, God brings a storm up and the sailors are, are freaking out. They're, they're, they're scared. They think they're going to die in this storm. And they start throwing over all their cargo, probably all of their livelihood that they were going to go make money on, um, but they were fearing for their lives. Um, they were suffering because of Jonah's decision, not because of their own decisions, but because of Jonah. And, you know, eventually Jonah finally admits to him that, you know, it's the one true God has brought this storm up and, and it's because he's running away from what he's supposed to be doing. And he tells him the only way to make it stop is to toss him overboard. And the funny thing is that even these people who aren't believers, they seem to have this value of human life still because they don't want to throw him overboard. They, they really don't want to. Jonah has to, like, convince them to. He has to persuade them to actually throw him overboard and it will stop. So eventually he does, they give in, they throw Jonah in, um, and he's, he's swallowed up by a great fish. All right, so that was chapter one. And then last week in chapter two, basically the entirety of chapter two is Jonah's prayer as he's inside the fish. And what we saw, it was, it was the prayer of a man who had truly hit rock bottom. He was, he was at complete rock bottom, um, and and what, we, what we wanted to talk about, what we wanted to focus on was these three A's that we said in his prayer. The first one was admit. You know, Jonah had to admit the trouble he was in. Admit uh, his own fault, his own uh, consequences that he was suffering from his decisions. The second A, it was affirm. Okay? We wanted 
uh, you to notice that, that, that Jonah affirms who God is. He affirms his power and his authority. Uh, he recognized that God, where he was, God was the only one who's going to save him. That's where he was. And then the third A was align. Okay, so admit, affirm, and align. And align, I, I really like to think of this more as it's surrender. It's Jonah finally is willing to surrender himself to God, to dedicate his life to him. He's, he's finally willing to say, I'm, I'm tired of going my own way. I mean, he didn't really have much choice in this anymore, right? But, but he came to that attitude of repentance and wanting to surrender to God. So that was, that was last week, okay? And what we've really wanted to take, this, this series, the big idea that we want you to take from, from is uh, the story of Jonah is about the God of miracles who's willing to let everyone off the hook for their sins, okay? And so today we're going to talk about when Jonah got to Nineveh, because we read at the end of chapter 2, after his prayer, the Lord commands the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach, okay? So we're going to read chapter 3 today. These are short chapters, so I'm just going to go ahead and read through this with you. Uh, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Okay, so interesting story here. Now, the first thing that we really want to notice here is God is a God of second chances. And we see it all throughout the Bible, but it's, it's, it's really uh, prevalent in this story. Now, I think of it's a second chance for the Ninevites, Second chance for them to turn to the one true God, to repent of the lives that they were living. But it's also a second chance for Jonah. Jonah, he's being offered uh, a fresh start. He gets, he gets another chance to do what God's commanded him to do. You know, God could have given up on Jonah when he ran away the first time, you know. Jonah refused to do what God called him to do. God could have found someone else. He could have spoken directly to the Ninevites himself. He's God. He could have done whatever he wanted to do, but he wanted to use Jonah regardless of Jonah's disobedience and Jonah's rebelliousness towards him. He wanted to use him. And you notice that the second time, God didn't tell Jonah, 
uh, exactly what, this, what he was going to be, be doing, right? He, he kind of tells him, just go to, go to Nineveh, and I will tell you what you'll be saying, okay? So we see right there. So, but this time, Jonah arose and went, okay? He went without waiting for further instructions. He didn't hesitate this time. He learned his lesson that first time inside the fish. But you notice, like I said, that he says, call out against it the message that I tell you. So he doesn't give him the message directly. Sometimes that's how God works with us. He doesn't give us the whole picture. He doesn't tell us exactly how everything's going to turn out, give us the full plan ahead of time. Sometimes maybe that's because we really aren't ready to handle it. We can't, we're not, we're not willing and ready to accept everything that's going to happen. So sometimes God just gives us little bits at a time. He gives us what we can handle or what he wants us to know in the moment. Okay, so Jonah didn't know what the message would be exactly, but he went in faith. He knew that God was going to give him the words. Um, And this was clearly evident of Jonah surrendering himself. Now, a lot of you know that I uh, host a recovery group, an addiction recovery group, on Monday nights at the Leighton campus. And, and, you know, last week's prayer that we went over, really, it, uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the 12 steps of AA, but, but the first three steps almost completely align with those, those three A's that we talked about last week. The first step of AA is we admitted to God that we are powerless over our addictions, that our lives had become unmanageable. Okay? And so that is the admission, right? The first A, admit. The second step in, in AA is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And that's, that's that coming of faith. That's building a faith where we really do affirm who God is. And that was that second A in that prayer. Now the third step of AA says made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And that's where we see Jonah is at now. He's completely surrendered himself over. You know, he ran away the first time. He made mistakes. He didn't want to follow God. But God gives him a second chance. And this time, he's fully surrendered. He gives over fully to him. So Jonah gets this second chance. And because Jonah gets a second chance, Nineveh gets a second chance. This is a nation that was openly hostile to God. Openly hostile to him. Think about how that must have been for Jonah to go and and share this with people that he knew were completely opposed to God. Think in your own life of somebody that you know wants nothing to do with God, that is completely opposed to him. How many of us really have that faith to continue to pray for them, to continue to share truth and love with them? Or do we give up on them? it's It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To hold out hope. To, to, to lack that faith that God is really going to work in that space. But Jonah goes and he does this because he's, he's regained that faith. Because we never know when or how someone's heart might be softened. We don't know. God's the one who's doing the work. We're just the messengers. Okay? And, and the way that we deliver that message is simple. Because God's message is simple and it's powerful. See, Jonah began going to the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
That's, that's the message. He just goes in and he's warning them. You guys are gonna be destroyed. It's, it seems simple, right? Like, why was he running away from this simple message? That's, uh, it's not this big eloquent thing. He's not, you know, it's not this big persuasive argument. He's not going and using his, his great knowledge and apologetics to, to teach them and, and convince them of, of, you know, the one true God versus their, their beliefs and, and, and this comparison or anything. He goes and he just gives them a simple message because he's the messenger and God is the one who convicts. And it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read, when I came to you, brothers, Paul's saying this, uh, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's, that's the message. We're called to give a simple message, a simple message of the gospel. Um, I'm surprised a lot of times, you know, we host a bunch of different small groups and I've mentored people, how, how confusing it seems to be, what the gospel, the simple message of the gospel. It's almost like we think that there are all these other things that go into it, more than just the fact that we've sinned and Jesus died and paid for those sins. To bridge that gap between us and God. That's the simple message of the gospel. We don't ha- you don't have to be a biblical scholar. <laughs> you don't have to have, you know, 30 years invested in living this Christian life. The gospel is extremely simple. And that's, that's really what we notice here in this story. It's a simple message. Jonah goes and gives a simple message, but he was emboldened because he knew God was the one at work. God was the one who was gonna convict people's hearts. So he was emboldened as he shouted to the crowd. And that's how we should be. We should be bold. We should be bold like Jonah because it's not up to us. Like I said, we're the messengers. Do we really trust that? Or do we, do we again, get uh, caught up in thinking that it's up to me to convince somebody? It's up to me to convince somebody to accept Christ as their Savior. It's not. Now, the Assyrians were really the last people you would expect to repent. They were known for their brutality and their violence. Uh, really just a sinful, wicked, wicked people. And like I said before, how, how many times do we give up on, on people that we think have just gone astray, don't want anything to do with God? This should, this should inspire us that nobody is too far gone. Nobody is. God can, God can do a great work in anybody's life. We never know exactly where God is working, but we do know that it's the power of the message and not the messenger that's going to change people. And this, this last point that we want to take from this is that every generation gets to make its own choice. Okay? Back in verse 5, we read, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. 
I mean, they, tro- they showed true repentance here. And there was no promise that they weren't going to be destroyed. I mean, that, that's what was prophesied, was that you guys are going to be destroyed because of your wickedness. And rather than just say, well, whatever, if we're going to be destroyed, let's live it up. Let's enjoy the last days we have. No, no, no. They repented. And I'm sure the message was a little more than, than what we read here, but that was the main part of the message was, you guys are going to be destroyed. You're in danger. How many times do we not want to share that, the danger with people, the danger that people are in? Especially in, in our society today, that's not a popular, a popular thing to share with people. But if, we, if you truly love somebody, wouldn't you want them to know the danger that they're in? So Jonah knows the danger they're in. And even, even though he, I think as, we, as we'll read in the last chapter, he still struggles to uh, love these people the way he needs to. He still, he was willing to go and share that danger that they were in. And like I said, they, they repented though. As we, you know, in verse 3, 9, they, they say, who knows, you know, after they repent, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. These are people who were not believers. They didn't believe in this one true God. And yet he was working in their hearts to bring them to repentance, to, to share truth into them, to know that maybe God will relent. Maybe he will. We don't know. That's not the message Jonah's sharing with us, but he, he may yet. And if we compare that with 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, in verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, how they repented, how they confessed their sins, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. See, every generation has the opportunity to, to repent, to, to live a life that honors God, to, to surrender to God. And as we see uh, in this story, this generation did. They, they repented, and they, and they were saved. But we also read that 150 years later, um, Nineveh would be subject to that same destruction because generations after did not. They turned back to their evil ways. See, Nineveh got a second chance. Jonah got a second chance. And we're all given second chances and second chances and second chances, aren't we? God is a God, I would say not of second chances. He's a God of uh, infinite amounts of chances because we continue to sin. We continue to turn away. I continue to every single day, you know, do, do what God wouldn't have me do. Do things that, that aren't honoring to God. But God doesn't turn away. He's always there. He, he wants us to turn to him. And it's never too late, as we see in this story. You know, I, I think about Jonah was a prophet called by God. God spoke to him. And yet he rebelled against God. So how much more do we do that? But like I said, God's just always waiting 
for us to turn back to him. He's always, he was always just waiting for us to turn back, follow him, and he'll still use us. Even, even when we failed him time and time again, we're, we, we can be faithless and he'll be faithful. And I hope that this, as we finish up next week, we'll, we'll see a little bit about Jonah's heart not quite uh, <laughs> changing, not quite surrendering. He, he, seems to, he seems to pout about what God does. Um, and, and like I said, this is, this is how a lot of us seem to, seem to be. But I hope that you guys will come back next week and, and, and talk about that. But I hope that this message today is something that gives us courage, something that gives us hope in knowing that no matter what we've done, no matter how far we think we've run from God, if God wants to use us, he's going to, if we'll just surrender to him. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this, this story of a broken, a broken man, a prophet, who rebelled against you, who was not uh, fully accepting of the plan that you had for his life. Lord, we're so grateful to have your word that, that shares so many of these stories about people who are just as messed up as we are because it gives us a glimpse into who we are how broken we are, how lost we are, but it gives us a greater glimpse of who you are, how much you love us, how much you want to redeem us and use us for your glory. Lord, you have a plan for each and every one of us. And we're honored that, and so grateful that you want to use us, that you love us that much, uh, that you honor us that much to use us to glorify you to draw more people to you Lord I pray as we go out uh, today and, and the rest of this week that this would be a message of, of hope that, that we carry with us that it, it's something that emboldens us that gives us that confidence to go and share the gospel with those who you've led us to that we would not hesitate to do that, that we would know that it's you who does the work, who convicts people's hearts, and that we are simple messengers. And it's a simple message. Lord, put that on our hearts. Open us to you. Open our, our, our minds. Help us turn our will and our lives over to you. God, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.